Hey guys, welcome back to an episode of Rambling Rivals. Today I have uh, Dan with me from the London is Blue podcast. How are you doing, Dan? Doing great. I'm excited that the Premier League is back. This is the shortest you know, end of season to start of season we've ever had. And so we only had to go weeks without football. It's fantastic. Yeah, man, it's, it's nuts. Like, uh, I felt like I went on vacation, but not because of what's going on in the world, you know, right? So we have no vacation time, but it is what it is. Um, so let, right off the bat, man, I, I have to ask, um, you, you have an oligarch. What is it like with that money? Well, you know, it's great because it means that we don't have to reverse decision on furloughing staff. It's, uh, you know, really, <laughs> it's a good place to be when you can donate meals to the NHS, donate hotel rooms, keep all of your staff employed. And, you know, I guess maybe that's the difference of having an oligarch versus having uh, Henry and the Fenway Sports Group. But, you know, that's uh, just the differences between some clubs. Fair enough. All right. You know, I think I can say for the most of the, for my anxiety, I can say that I'm a bit jealous. I would have loved to assign everyone on the planet, including Mbappe and Havertz and Werner. You stole it from them. You stole them from us. Sorry. Um, so over under 50% um, Werner and Havertz, you know, follow the way of, of you know, Salah and De Bruyne next season. In terms of uh, like them leaving Chelsea, going alone. <laughs> yeah, them going alone to some obscure club in the Bundesliga or, or Serie A. What do you think? Well, I, I don't think Vitesse uh, has room for someone like Timo Werner or Kai Havertz. So I, I imagine that it is uh, greatly under a fifty percent. I think that they will light the world on fire. I think we got to see that we're recording this after the match against Brighton. And right. we got to see a little bit of what Timo Werner can do. And obviously he has had a bit of time to integrate with the side more so than Kai Havertz has. So I think we're, we're still waiting to see and we'll get a chance to see, especially in this match against Liverpool over the weekend, what Kai Havertz can do with maybe two weeks of training, getting up to speed a little bit more and uh, what Timo can do on his, uh, his second Premier League start. Yeah, no, for sure. I watched that game, unfortunately on the, you know, uh, what, what was it called? Peacock uh, Premier Premium. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate. You, it's under a paywall, but no, uh, Werner looked uh, made for the Premier League. I think his pace. He didn't look out of step. He didn't look like he was a Bundesliga, Bundesliga player last year. So, yeah, unfortunately, I have to might have to agree with you there, where he might be out Chelsea for at least uh, two seasons. I'm hoping <laughs> not more, but. Just into that, I mean, after all these signings, uh, can you explain, like, kind of, you know, how's the excitement? What what's going on? Is the excitement? Is there dread? Is there is there like absurdity within the within the fan base? What's going on? The excitement is off the charts. I think the thing to keep in mind is that you know it's very it's history now, but we go from winning Europa League to Mauricio Sarri leaving to Frank Lampard coming in to undergoing a transfer ban to losing Eden Hazard or selling him for an incredible profit with one year left on his contract. Marina just is a master at what she does. And we find some initial success, but we really have kind of what essentially is a rocky season. And through 
the pandemic and the restart, we lock in our top four spot, which is really more of an Arsenal mentality to get that top four, right? Chelsea's really sure. about winning in silverware and getting either a, t- a title or a trophy. Those are the two things we really care about as a club. So not get that in Frank's first year is understandable given all the limitations. I think now the expectation is continuing to push for really with all these signings, a higher league finish, and then getting a trophy out of one of the competitions in where this year to really set us up for, you know, league domination another year out for every year to come after that. Because at that league. point, you know, just we will have taken too many <laughs> steps ahead. <laughs> league dominations, he, he says. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so why don't we, why don't we go from there? Um, before I, I, I you know, I want to stop there because part of me wants to like spoiler, spoiler alert ahead kind of thing. But before we get into that, I, I must say, out of all the signings, uh, maybe who's the most exciting signing for you? But then juxtapose that to probably the most likely to make the biggest impact yeah. on the, particularly the season and then maybe this match uh, up on the weekend. So I have really enjoyed watching Timo Werner over the years, and I never in my wildest dreams thought that he was going to be a Chelsea player just because of the, the natural progression and almost the added benefit of having Jurgen Klopp as a manager and German talent just as like a match made in heaven, right? Like every young German player either wants to go play for Bayern Munich or with what Liverpool have done and the success they found in their Klopp you would just assume that they would want to go play for Liverpool and want to go play for Klopp if they're going to play anywhere in the Premier League. So the fact that we signed him for the amount that we did, you know, his release clause was super undervalued for the type of finisher and the type of scorer he is. Amazing. But if I look at what's going to be the most impactful as a signing, if, you know, we are very close to signing a new goalkeeper who is going to be better than Kepa, just at an average level. Wait, if better than about, Kepa? Wait, what? <laughs> what? The big, the most expensive? Well, what? Say again? Who? Uh, the, yeah, the most expensive <laughs> keeper in the world. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate it's uh, albatross of a contract we have. Kepa was, you know, around under nine goals shipped in the league versus the average goalkeeper. So if we think about removing nine of the 54 goals that Chelsea conceded last season, how many of those draws become a win how many of those very tight losses become a draw or potentially a win like that right off the, there, top, of, off the top of my head i say at least six points right so yeah and at that point then you were closer to city than you were on level points with united and so that right there is going to be the biggest impact signing because it fixes an immediate issue whoa, 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 but it's not exciting yet though it's not uh, uh, horse, i feel it's not- I feel good. <laughs> I'm sure you know people. You have exclusive, but let's just talk about goalkeepers are boring. I, I played goalkeeper in college. We're not exciting. So let, let's talk about, you know, the people that, that Chelsea has now, maybe. Okay. So I will say that the other one, which is actually pretty exciting, is Thiago Silva coming in on a free transfer. You know, just kind of, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a difference in the type of game that is played in France versus what is played in England. So there's an adaption that, that it's there, but he's actually really good airily, which is something that we've struggled with from a set piece perspective. The leadership in our back line has been obviously very challenged in the post Terry era. 
And as much as I love Aspliqueta, like he is not the same type of leader that John Terry was. So I, I sure. really want us to see him and, and, and see him flourish in that back line as the center back one, bridging us to potentially a summer from now or two summers from now where we really upgraded that position fully. Awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope that Chiago gets injured and he can't um, obviously play <laughs> and he's too old and he maybe wants to take a, a cigar break. But, you know, because he, I mean, um, as, as a fan of Latin American football and, you know, I know he's Brazilian and, and all that, but I just think that he, he might surprise people. I mean, I, I've heard pundits say that, you know, he was nothing without Marquinhos, but I, I don't think that that's fair to say. I think you're right. He might bring that stability. But speaking of stability, I mean, for me, uh, I, let's get into season prediction real quick. So I think that uh, one of my one of my um, one of the crew of Tampa Bay Cop Talk said like Chelsea is going to score 150 goals, but they're going to concede 106. So do you think that Silva is going to you know make that a little little less? Like I, I that that's the question. I don't know because I don't think. I don't know if he can adapt because of, because of his age and fitness. Well, I, I think we also forget that if he is healthy for the entirety of the season, that Silva gets to play with N'Golo Conte in front of him, who makes every center back pairing a little bit better. We didn't have N'Golo Conte for half of the season last year. So if you think right. about the amount of matches where we walked in with a Jorginho and uh, Kovacic pivot, which is not the way that they should be ever played together ever, but had right. to happen due to a necessity situation – that is going to help a lot. You're going to have Ben Chilwell coming in. You have Reese James, who looked phenomenal in the Brighton game. Uh, you're, you're adding all of the pace on the wings that you would be concerned about with Silva. You got Zuma as well. So like, right. what you're really relying upon him is, is structure. You know, so can he give the kind of defensive structure, keep that in line? Can he you know, continue to read the game well? Because he's not he, – he's all about reading the game intelligently – and he'll be buffered by players who can insulate maybe if he's not, you know, if he's a step slower, I'm not as concerned about that with the infrastructure we have around him. Right. I see, I see that defense as more of like uh, 17, 18 Liverpool's defense where, you know, we, we had a competent defense enough to go to the Champions League final in Kiev, but ultimately that's what done us in. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, obviously we got top four that season, but, um, you know, we won games, we lost games, and it was more of like, you know, we're the Wawa West. We we had no defense. And then and then Van Dyke came in and the rest is history. So yep. I am I'm assuming that you think that Van or Sil Thiago Silva can be uh um uh, you know a poor man's Van Dyke is is what I imagine. I, I don't is that what you're hoping for? Is that kind of I don't think he's gonna he's it's not gonna score as much as Van Dyke. I think that's oh, sure, sure. thing. Just yeah, from the I mean, defensive Van Dyke Van Dyke offers a, a complete package, right? You know, like there's, you know, very few center backs that you point to as being world-class. And obviously Van Dyke is one of those. And one of the players you look at and you're like, man, why didn't Chelsea continue to push harder and try to convince him, try to come up with a more lucrative package? It doesn't help when <laughs> you have so many managers get cycled through that it's hard for a player to maybe see the connection to what's going on. And that's a little different now with, with Frank being here and with Petter being here there's an ability to sell a message, which is why you saw Kai come, which is why you saw Werner come. Like right. they, they wanted to play in the Premier League. Yes, 
Chelsea had the money and the available cash to do so. But the player also has to want to come too. Like it's a, it's a, it is a partnership. So part of it is the finances, but every team that they would come to in the Premier League would pay them more than what they were making in the Bundesliga. Sure. What also helps, and you know, again, they're company employees at this point, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But both of them were sold on the vision that Frank laid out, the vision that Petter laid out, and and that is, uh, I think, really really helpful. So ultimately. Yeah, I, I really hope that Thiago will help us shore up some of the goals. I think the new keeper, when he's signed, will help us shore that up as well. I don't think we'll score 150 goals. I think if we score 85 to 90, which would be over 20-plus goals more than we scored last season at a minimum, that would be a big step forward because what we did struggle with last season is we actually put ourselves in a great shot-generating positions. We just had poor conversion. Right. What we saw last night is we had – you know, five shots on target and three of them were converted for goals. Yet we had an expected goal of 1.5, including the penalty. So oh we my were God, much guys, more guys, clinical. Ma- mathematician over here. Statistic, guys. <laughs> Statistic lessons over here. I, I love it. I'm fantastic. So going into that, I mean, so I think it's safe to summarize that you and the, and the overall fan base are super excited about going into this season. Your expectations are through the roof, much like, uh, you know, having Michael Jordan on your team, I would imagine, right? So I think it's safe to say that. So, I, I you know, before we get into this weekend's matchup, I kind of want to know, you know, what's your, you know, predicted finish for Chelsea? Or maybe maybe you have a prediction, but maybe then you have like a – maybe you're at odds with yourself. Maybe you have a realistic finish, you know? Uh, I think that we will finish – and this is the prediction that I made on our show, so I will stand by it, is that I think we'll finish in second this season. I think the Ooh. top of the table, I think on any given day, when we saw this last season in the matches between Liverpool and Chelsea outside of the 5-3 finish, we saw a Super Cup that went down to penalties. We saw a 2-1 that was really benefited by Kepa being the shortest keeper in the world and a TAA oh, masterpiece from a free kick. Trent, oh my gosh. Trent's freaking. I was in New York at that time for uh, <laughs> me and the wife were visiting a friend and I went to Carragher's there and that, that free kick just like just the atmosphere alone made that free mm-hmm. kick Oscar worthy. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, it was great. But I, I think the thing is, I didn't walk away from those matches. I didn't walk away from you know the city matches, which we were actually able to, to beat them last sure. season. Like I, the, the two matches we beat over Tottenham. Obviously, we really struggled with United. I think that's going to be one that we've got to get the bogey off a little bit. Um, you know, losing to Arsenal in the FA Cup final sucks, but we were able to beat them during the season. Like, in, in their biggest game until then was a 2-2 draw with us. So, like, we've shown that we have an ability with the squad we had last year to be successful against top teams. We've experienced the rise of Christian Pulisic post-restart. Ooh, 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 let's pause is exciting. We'll, we'll get there to Pulisic because we are Americans after all. But but yeah, then the, the but the other piece is that like we now have added you know goal contributors in the twenty plus range uh, for total goal contribution actions in Havertz and in Werner, and then you add in Ziyech, you add in you know two defensive upgrades, you add in a new goalkeeper. Like it, it is. I think the challenging thing is going to be is can we gel quick enough to stabilize the results so that we can then carry on and impress a run. I think I'm most concerned if if we don't do well, these first five to 10 matches that could 
could knock us out of where I think we should finish, which is in second place. So yeah, that I, I think I think I understand what you're saying because it's almost like with Liverpool, we, when we sold Suarez all those years ago. No, don't get me wrong, we didn't we didn't buy nearly the 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 capability and players afterwards. And then as well as Tottenham, when they sold Gareth Bale, they bought a bunch of players in one window. That of course they were nowhere near the capability of the players that you bought this window. However, you at least the media was talking about how that you had that you know the, those particular teams had that that gel problem. So I see what you're saying, and I and honestly, obviously, I hope that's the case. I hope that you know they all hate each other. Let's just say, <laughs> I all you know. But you know what's interesting to me because given the the signings, given the expectations that come with those signings. And as well as Chelsea's, you know, or, you know, Abramovich's, you know, daddy's, uh, you know, sacking record, you know, history. Um, what's the over under that that Frank is here next next Christmas? You know, 2021 Christmas. I mean, oh, I think that uh, if he doesn't perform next season and it continues into or this season and it continues into next. I mean, I feel like he's gone. What do you think? I, I don't think it happens until... It, 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 we would have to be scrapping in relegation, which I just don't think is going to happen. I Not even 10th? You don't even think it, if if Frank is in 10th place come, I don't know, March. Not that that's going to happen, but like some nonsense like that. It, you you think it'd have to all the, it, it would go all the way down to regular, regular, uh, relegation. That's a hard one. Yeah. I, I, I just, A, I don't think that's going to happen because I, I just don't think that it's, it's, it's the mentality of like too big to fail. Like we're we, right, you know, right. Liverpool's like, like this, Chelsea's like this. You know, we're well. You just you're you're too big. The talent is there. That you know, it would have to go pretty wrong to you to be as bad as what Fulham is going to be this season, or sure. even now that they bring in you know uh, you know Vanovich, like as bad as West Brom is going to be this season. Like they are, if they do not go down, I will be shocked. And so sure. like. You just you, the, the nature of the league. Now, I think the, the the more challenging thing is that there's enough pressure from the bottom half, like that bottom half of the the top ten, where you see Wolves finding a way to be successful. Everton looks sharp against Tottenham. Tottenham responding by going to get you know Bale on lo- uh, loan and get uh, Regulon as a a left back potentially. United struggling to sign the players they want. Like so, this this top six, this top eight. It's super flipping tight, man. Like so, man, so tight. I, I I think that's where <laughs> there will be some level of understanding. Is that like we are not done? You know, we we had uh, Matt Law, who's uh, writes the Daily Telegraph on our podcast, and he was talking about like this is just the first phase of the plan of what Chelsea have over the next three seasons to get to where they want to be, which is back to the level of like Champions League, semifinal, finals. Premier League challenger every single year like that is what we want to be at and the club are viewing it more more so in the long term than they ever have previously and that is a huge directional shift so I understand the past mentality of that like Abramovich trigger happy will happily sack a manager Monday a higher one Tuesday sack him again after a bad result on Friday totally understand so you don't think that will happen if that for I do not know Okay. Well then <laughs> I, I, I don't I know think, if that's the answer you wanted or not. No, no, no. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. I think I think Abramovich is ruthless. Like that's that's what I think. So but well, hey, man, here's, if you, if here's the see, other thing though. 
I think the fans will be behind him, but it's just one of the things is is if the boss is behind him, the guy who's writing the paychecks, you know, he, at the end of the day, he makes the decisions, right? So, so how much is a player like Reese James on the open market today? How much does he cost? How much does a player like Mason Mount cost today? How much does a player like Tammy Abraham cost today? Like Frank last season gave Chelsea the best financial cash infusion that they could ask for, which was to graduate multiple academy starters in the Premier which League. Which they've never done in my – We have not ever. done. Never. We have not built the road across, right? We have Heard. not been able never to been take the problem yeah. to the first team building. That saved the club so much money that we could go out and buy premium talent to fill the positions and, and really challenge to make the squad better. So like for as much as Frank, you know, is kind of saying like, Hey, you know, you're, you're buying the league. Like, well, one, we didn't buy any players last year. So like this is think about it over like two or three or four windows, like average it out where it's like one player per every window for the four, right. uh, for four, you know, for four windows. And the other piece is that, you know, we saved so much money, not only on the transfer fee, but on the wages of these players. You could pay someone like Tammy Abraham 250,000 pounds a week if you wanted to. And he actually is cheaper than going out to buy a stri- like a, a striker, uh, you know, the, the Kai Havertz level, like someone of that tier. How much is Kai getting a week, you know? No idea. No idea. But the, 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 but the math on it is when the moment you take out an amortized transfer fee, sure, sure. you have to put on top of wages and the player now costs 17 million pounds per annum on your budget, you're screwed. Frank completely helped us reset the books by promoting all these youngsters in, which gave us the, the financial flexibility to bring these players in to absorb some of these kind of higher cost transfers and, and really be effective. And then you get smart with someone like Tiago Silva on a free, like just, I don't know. The club has done super great business. I'm super excited. I don't think Frank will get fired. And, <laughs> You're super excited uh, no yeah. matter what I tell you. I get it, man. I get it. I, I just don't, I don't, I, well, Jesus. I hope they all break their legs on Sunday or they have some like <laughs> random like food virus, you know. Now let's just pivot a little bit. Um, obviously we think, you think that Frank will be fine and he'll be given the time either also by one, by the fans and also by the board. I just don't believe by the board. I think he'll be given plenty of time by the fans. I think he'll be like Eddie Howe in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk since we are both, uh, we both have American passports, I think. I think it's a, <laughs> yeah. so let's talk about that, that one yank in the Chelsea squad. Let's talk about him, Pulisic. Um, I hope I said that right. I, I don't think I've ever said it out loud. Um, he's been quote unquote given, um, the number 10 shirt, I mean, you know, your, your football enthusiast will say that's, you know, your, your best player on the squad should deserve the number 10 shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think that's uh, kind of, um, you know, deserved? Do you think that – Do you how do you think his development has been since he's been there for the last year? It, it was, you know, if we kind of track back and, like, so the, the funny thing was is actually I was in London – the at Stanford Bridge the day that the signing of Christian Pulisic was announced from Dortmund, which was a crazy drunken-filled evening of celebration with my fellow Americans that we somehow landed this player who you thought United will eventually get him, Liverpool will eventually get him with a you know Klopp or you know BBB overlap. Maybe that's where he ends up going. And knowing that the club actually had been scouting him for years 
as a considered talent, as someone that they viewed as you know being worth bringing into Chelsea. And everyone looking at the fee initially, everybody making the jokes that he'll be at the, the test by the second window when he's not getting time. You know, every American pundit saying like, oh, he's not going to get time. He's never going to get the opportunity to watch him find some initial success, fall out due to injury, struggle a little bit, work his way back into the side and have just a tear of results in the restart. Just absolutely lighting the world on fire. You know, definitely our, our player of the restart era. Oh, ooh, I mean, let's just, talk about that restart era. Um, you you can continue, but, let, you know, that game at Anfield, we'll talk about that. Oh, yeah, that was bit, awful. <laughs> that was an awful continue, game. Please. <laughs> the sooner I forget that one, the better. Hopefully we have a different result uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, Christian was amazing. Um, he's leveled up his game. He is so direct. He is so fast. He is unafraid to shoot, unafraid to be selfish, has really, and I just think now you have potentially a front three of just assassins on the pitch. When you think about Pulisic, Werner and Havertz maybe, or, you know, if you had Ziyech and then Havertz plays maybe more centrally as like a a 10, that is a, a fast and clinical group of attackers that, you know, just like Liverpool have developed with, you know, for me, you had our fab four, you could have fab four. Yeah. You you need to have that type of infrastructure if you're going to go out and and bully the league around and just, I, who, who do you, who do you choose to defend? Like if you're a center back there, I don't know. Are you wearing depends for 90 minutes? Because I don't know. (laughs) I think you're probably shitting yourself. Like, Oh, okay, cool. Werner is running the other way, but I've got to go cover Christian Pulisic. I'm going to have to do it one-on-one versus two-on-one or three-on-one which was sometimes the treatment he was receiving at the very end of the season. A little Eden Hazard-like in terms of the way clubs were going after him. Not the same type of player. Eden right. liked to hang wide and then cut in. Christian was very comfortable making a direct run right into your box and on the angle. So like they are very different styles of players, but they were being played the same way, which was very interesting. Right. All right. So... Uh... I mean, to be fair, I don't watch a lot of Chelsea games. And when I do, you know, obviously I look at the Pulisic, I tell the wife, hey, look, he's American. Look, it's, we, we have an American player, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, and he obviously played well at Anfield when, you know, Liverpool, you know, where we, um, we picked up that thing that's kind of heavy, you know, when you win the league, you know, that trophy <laughs> or whatever, you know, we picked yeah. that thing up. That was, that was kind of cute that, that day. Um, but I, I just have to know, man, um, Last let let's revert back to last season for a second, you know, because th- at the end of the day, this is a, a Liverpool podcast. Could you tell me how how was it um, seeing Liverpool run away with the league? How how did that make you feel? I was and- unfortunate. I, I I had hoped that City would save us the favor, but you know, I mean, wait, wait, are you telling me you wanted City to win more than Liverpool? Is it that there's that much animosity? Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? Okay. Well, that's fair. I guess, but I mean, city, then, city are city are the nation state ownership, right? Like there's tiers of ownership struggles, right? Like you sure. can call it an oligarch running Chelsea. Um, but when you have a nation state that is being you know, investigated for absolutely financial doping the club to allow them to do things Ooh, to actually yeah. even be in conversation to sign someone like Messi and have the financial infrastructure to actually do so. Like it's whatever I kind of write it off as like they could buy whatever they want 
and yeah, man, they could, and they've done it before. Like I, I you know, the nice they could thing buy, was, they could buy the equivalent of Audrey Hepburn, basically. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. dead, but like they can bring her back to life. <laughs> no, I completely understand what you're saying. And now, and and obviously, we we ran away with the league last season. We broke so many records. What what do you think? Before we talk about the match this weekend, what do you think? Uh, where do you think Liverpool ends up this season? Um, so I think it's one of two things. I think either you win and it's the okay. Again. It's oh, sorry. It's okay to tell us how awesome we are. We love that. It's okay for you to tell us. So it, I, okay. the interesting thing is that City are the only team since the United team in the mid two thousands, the mid aughts, who has been able to repeat a a challenge for the title just because of how intensive it is. I guess my question back to you is I would ask is, do you think the side has been reinforced enough to go at four competitions again and win what you're looking for? Cause I think that's, that's the issue I see for Chelsea too, is that like, I don't like, even with all these signings, I don't know if our squad is deep enough to go as deep as I want to the champions league or deep as I want into the league cup or into the FA cup. Like just the, the, how compact these schedules are going to be one injury to our side, one injury to your side turns. Okay. So let me, let me unpack that. So (laughs) we're on video right now. And for those listening on audio, um, I was touching my face and my hair and I'm, and you know me to be a little bit more anxious than the rest of the, the, the crew on the podcast. I'm a bit more pessimistic. So I will say, we have not strengthened. That's a fact. Uh, we bought a, 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 a left back for bus fare, essentially, um, or subway fare, whatever you can call it. Um, and we bought some kids. We bought a 17-year-old goalkeeper. Cool. Okay. We might go ch- for Thiago, the Champions League winner, you know, and, and from Bayern Munich. But until Be that huge. happens, yeah, until that happens, that, that's not real, right? It's, it's a Fugazi, as Matthew McConaughey said in that one movie. It's a Fugazi, Fugazi, whatever. So until that happens, you know, for me, but I understand what you're saying, but the argument applies that over the last two seasons, we haven't had injuries. You know, every time I watch like Sky Sports or whatever bullshit Michael Owen is saying or whoever is saying, you know, an injury to the front three would cause Liverpool to like crap. But Mm -hmm. that's never happened. We never had one of the front three out for extended period of time. Kudos to, you know, the medical people. Um, number one. Number two, I don't. I honestly think Klopp does not give a shit about the League Cup or the FA Cup. Do I give a shit about it? Not really. Consider if I had to pick one, I'm practical. If I had to pick one, you you cho- like. Let's be honest. You choose the league and the Champions League over the other domestic. Club. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like we lost to Arsenal and the the charity community, whatever it's called, Shield. I wanted to win that game. I was yelling and cursing just like every other game. I wanted to win that too, but if we didn't win it. It's not a big deal, right? So for me, oh, um, so for me, I, you know that that's that's the point, and I think that uh, our players can cope with that. It's mm-hmm. my issue. I've said this on the podcast: is like I just hope the players have watched the Last Dance, you know, the Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls documentary. I hope yep. that they know that they have the Michael Jordan motivation because as long as they have that, they'll be golden. If they don't have, I think it's a, it's a mental game now. I think we mm-hmm. saw it in the first game against Leeds where, you know, we gave up three goals and it's all mental. Van, Virgil van Dyke was, you know, going to win the Ballon d'Or if it wasn't for politics, right? He doesn't all of a sudden become a shitty player. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's more of 
does he have it mentally? And when I say does he, I mean also the, the entire squad. If they have it mentally going forward or uh, going forward throughout the season, I think they'll be fine. I say that, but I'm scared of sh- I'm scared shitless. I'm scared for Sunday. Uh, you know, we're we you know obviously we're going to London. Um, every game gives me anxiety. You know, you know that's why I have a therapist on speed dial. You know what I'm saying? That's that's, that's why you enjoy football because yeah. it's it's pageantry, it's drama, it's exciting, it's absolutely soul crushing when you lose, it's euphoric when you win. And it fills and provides a, a level of just enjoyment and socialization that you really yeah. can't get in any other way. Yo, I tell other Americans, I tell some of the family members who are so uh, are only um, American football fans, like, bro, dude, it's like the best drug. <laughs> like when a goal goes in, you know, you, you've seen it. A goal yeah. goes in the 93rd minute. There's nothing like it. You can't tell me that a touchdown – and the fourth quarter is better than a 93rd minute winner. Anyway, that's uh, let's uh, wash that aside for a second. All right, so let's get down to the game. Um, tell me, you know, and tell the and tell the audience how 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 are Chelsea going to play tactically? I don't think we know how Chelsea want to play yet. Chelsea played a really different game versus Brighton than they did. It, it was almost the let's play safe enough to win a game we were playing on a counter we were playing without as much possession as 65 70% possession in a game but we also didn't score three goals right like we would score one goal and we would have a draw so like right it worked for us because Timo's incredibly fast we have Kai able to kind of break some lines with his passing you have N'Golo Conte back and healthy um you know I, I think my my thought is that you look at someone like if Ziyech can play, that changes it. If Christian is healthy, that changes it. And so if if both of them are available, then I think you're gonna see the four three, you know, four three three, more fluid attack. You're gonna see Timo go centrally, you're gonna see Christian on one wing, you're gonna see Ziesh on the other wing, you're gonna see Kai drop back into like a central midfield, like an eight position or maybe a ten, then you probably have Conte and Kovacic behind him so right. you're 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 definitely able to control the midfield a little bit more which is where I felt like in the Leeds game the ball was just flying through the Liverpool midfield it was going right from you know defense to attack for for Leeds I, I think that actually could play really well in our favor but again Kepa is short and you guys are great on set pieces we gave away some set pieces yesterday versus Brighton it's the two most terrible words to tweet like Brighton set piece. It was awful. I had chills each time but, but I typed here, it because man, I thought we could see it. Here's the thing though. For me, I, I mean, I, I, I pray, I, I just, I just effing pray that Chelsea does not line up defensive and a Mourinho-esque and playing behind the ball. I want you to attack, please attack because that, <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that shit. Yeah. We've seen over the last three seasons that any team that thinks that they can get some, quote unquote, get something from from a uh, you know from a Liverpool match like you know they get destroyed. Um, you, you only have to ask Barcelona a couple of years ago, yeah. right? But but going into that, what do you think as a, as a fan of Chelsea? What do you think uh, Liverpool's weaknesses are, or you know obviously their big threats? What do you think? Well, I think if you don't point to Salah as a big threat, then that's that's a problem. You're making a mistake. I think if you also kind of 
Allison is phenomenal. I think that's my that boyfriend, by the way. Van Dyke. <laughs> Van Dyke is is a master. What is you know what he does in the back? I think. I think it is going to have to be more of a reactive game where we seed a little bit more of the possession that we kind of take our chances that we try to shut down some of the passing lane centrally. I think the midfield is probably where, uh, because there hasn't been that same reinforcement where Chelsea might find some goodness. And if we can spring Werner quickly, if you can spring Pulisic, if he's healthy, I think that is where we would find the success we're looking for because it's in a flat foot race, like, yep. Trent is fast. I, I, I kind of, I'm going to put him up against Christian. I'm going to put him up against Timo and be like, good luck, man. It's a, it's a foot race. It's, it's, it's a foot race to the finish. And the first one's there is going to either going to get the goal or going to stop it from going in. Well, so he, he just recently recovered from the COVID-19. So hopefully by Sunday, he'll be fine. <laughs> you know, he's been fine, but you know, uh, yeah, let's hope he's at a thousand percent as opposed to 95. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's Chelsea. He's going to be up for it. You know, I, mean, yeah, I, I think I, here's I, the thing. Both of these teams, these players are all big game players. You don't come sure. to a Chelsea or a Liverpool and make the starting lineup if you don't get amped for these games. If you are a type of top player who doesn't get amped for these games, you go play for Tottenham or Arsenal. Uh, so sure. in general... Oh, we like, can agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> agree on that. <laughs> in general, these players are going to be amped for the game. And so I think anyone who's even... 80% is going to find a way to make themselves fit. Awesome. All right. So, I mean, we were talking about Van Dyke. He's a beautiful man. He's got a beautiful haircut. He, according to Troy Deeney, he smells good. So tell me, you, you were talking about the weakness in, the, in your, your back line, particularly with Kepa. Even if you sign a goalkeeper tomorrow, I doubt he'll be able to play on Sunday. Yeah. So let's assume he's been in between the sticks. Um. Set he comes in, it's Van Dyke. Uh, are you scared? Are you worried? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm the, the, uh, the thing that we struggle to do is prevent ourselves from getting out of our own way. And so my hope would be is that we do not foul in a position that gives Liverpool the option to attack us in that way. Oh, no, I mean, corners, yeah. are gonna corners are going to happen. Cor yeah, but like, you know, limiting them, you know, as much as you can, right? Like, I would rather you know, if, if you have the option to potentially let it go or run an extra couple of feet and knock it out to the left so it's a throw-in or boot it backwards, like, do that instead because I just – I don't want to see – I want to see corners in, like, the single digits, the low single digits for <laughs> Liverpool. That All is, right, so – That's one of the best defenses we can institute. <laughs> All right, so we have it here first. I mean, if you're going to bet on Vegas, we bet for, like, five corners or less, and maybe there's good odds on that. All right, so let's get into it. Finally, um, lineups. Let's go with your lineup. Oh, uh, we're doing. Yeah, this where do you start? Or... I mean, you have you have like a damn buffet, basically. It's like going to Golden Corral. Do you have Golden Corral? <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've lived in the South before. I know I know about Golden Corral. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, it's probably like going to Bojangles because you're going to get a, a killer meal. Um, <laughs> right. So, I. I'm going to do this without the knowledge of who's healthy or who's not just an optimal lineup. Um, Cause we were doing this before uh, Frank's press conference. Um, I think we will not get a new goalkeeper registered in time. So I think Keppa will start. Um, right. I think you'll see, I think you'll see Reese James. I think you'll see 
Thiago Silva was involved in a under 23 match. He didn't play, but he's definitely at the club kind of getting around. I think if there's any possibility he suits into the starting 11, they're going to make it happen. You think, you think fat Frank will put him against Liverpool his first game? Sure. He put Kai Havertz in with a week of training against Brighton. Yeah, but that's Brighton, man. That's it's a relegation. Well, all right. Also, all right. also it's your eleven. It's your eleven. Um then I think you you pair him up with Zuma. Um so that gives you a much better aerial defense. Um right. I think as much as I hate his one-on-one defending, it's actually not as bad as as Lampity made it look. I, I think Alonzo, just from a height perspective and just how he links up play on the left is a little bit better than uh, Azpilicueta. So I think you, uh, you you go with go with that. I think the midfield is Kovacic, Conte, and Havertz. Question? Uh, is that a question? Question mark? mark. Yeah, I because I. Cause I, I, I I, if Ziyech isn't healthy, because, I mean, his knee was pretty busted up. So I, I think what could happen is you could get Mount in there or Mount on the wings, which is what we saw. So I think you could see Mount, Werner, and Pulisic up top if Pulisic oh. is healthy. Um, I think So I think the two real question marks are if Havertz and if Mount get in, where are they playing? And it's really down, down to is Ziyech healthy? Is Pulisic healthy? If they're healthy, they're both getting in the starting 11, and that completely changes the game. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, not that you care, but I'll I'll go with my (laughs) starting 11. Um, You know, for the Liverpool fans out there, I think, obviously, you know, it's it's my brother from another mother. It's Andrew Robbo. You know, obviously, we have the same name, so we're brothers, Andrew Robertson. Um, We have... I think it's Van Dyke. I think it's my boyfriend, Allison. And I think it's, I think if he's fit, I think Matip goes in hmm. because I just think that if um, he, he's, uh, Gomez has been, had a bit of a shambles at the weekend. So I think Matip should come in if he's fit. I think obviously Trent, if he's, uh, you know, back to normal. Um, hopefully it's Fabinho if, if, Klopp, uh, stop getting, uh, you know, is, is okay with him. Because apparently there was some fallout between them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Fabinho. I want to see Keita because he brings something extra, man. Like, yeah. he has the ball. It's like playing a video game. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, he's going to do some shit that, like, is not physically possible. He's, he's unpredictable is what I mean to say. So, I hope that Keita plays. And then as well as when uh, Genie, Genie Wijnaldum, because mm-hmm. his, his ability on the ball, his ability to take players on, his ability to control the possession and recycle it as well. Um, and then obviously the front three picks itself. Um, and then I think that Minamino, our Japanese signing for, for, you know, goddamn bus fare comes on in the 70th minute and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, does something fantastic. Um, and then obviously Jordan Henderson comes on as well. Um, but so we were talking about set pieces earlier. How the hell can Chelsea cope with Van Dyke from the set piece perspective or just set piece in general? Because if you look at Liverpool's game, we score basically all of our goals from set pieces, mm-hmm. uh, excluding the super, you know, in, including Salah's third goal. I mean, that was off a set piece. So I, I, as you said earlier, like Chelsea's not mm, fantastic with that. So how do you, how do you see them dealing with that? 
Yeah, you have, you have to. I think the other interesting thing is if you wanted to, this would be a really unique wrinkle. If you really are playing a set piece game, you're going to see possession. Instead of Werner centrally, you put, if Pulisic isn't healthy, maybe you put Giroud up top with Werner. And now you have Giroud in the box, you have Zuma in the box, you have Alonso in the box. You're adding a lot more height, a lot more bigger bodies. And Giroud is a bit of a menace in the box. I, I definitely, like, he's someone you could post up on Van Dyke and make his day a little bit more difficult. What? Again, oh, yeah. Giroud is fantastic in the box. <laughs> Dude, dude. I mean, he's a he's a good looking man, but get out of here. It's Van Dyke. You you're you're comparing a Rolls Royce to like a Honda. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, Reese is also another big body man. He could definitely push up against them. I, I think you're gonna have to put two people on him. Like you just have yeah. to know where. It's gonna leave someone else free, and sure. so that's like you're gonna have to spy and try to figure out like who's gonna be the free runner. But I, I think you just have to you know, you have to body him up. You have to double him up. Right. All right. Fair enough. All right, so finally, uh, prediction, score predictions. What you think? So that we, we can go to Vegas. What's going on? You know what? I think uh, I, I will say subject to change as I find the, uh, the lineup information as it gets closer. My, my initial gut is that it's going to be a draw. What? Yeah. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. It's going to be absolutely wild. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think both teams are going to find a way to score. And I think it's just going to – it's going to be it, – it's going to be a really rough affair. I think it's going to be super physical. I think it's going to be the type of game where people are upset at each other. Klopp and, and Frank are just going to be going at it, mouth at one another. And, and Yeah, he needs to go back day, to school, apparently. At the end of the day, there's going to be no love lost between these two sides on the pitch for 90 minutes. Um, but, Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, where, can I, where can we find you online? Yeah, it's, uh, so it's a London's Blue podcast. If you want to add us or complain about our optimism and uh, actually, I think, very general, rationally, rationally composed around Liverpool, which is quite difficult for us, um, at Dan Dormer on Twitter and uh, at London Blue Pod on Twitter. But yeah, it's a London's Blue podcast. And uh, no, it's a great time, man. We, uh, we look forward to it. And uh, I wish you the best of luck this season outside of two matches in particular when we play each other. Oh man, oh, you're so nice. Isn't it so nice to like be nice in real life as opposed to like that toxic age shit that's on Twitter and, and general fandom, right? You know, yeah. like people like hate each other and think it's like legit, serious, like, you know, I hate your mother, therefore, you know, <laughs> ah, Jesus. Anyway, we appreciate it. You taking the time as well. Um, everyone else listening to the podcast, up the Reds, obviously we're going we're gonna to smash these... Um, you know, he's scum. We'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. We haven't signed anybody. We'll be fine. I'm the one on the podcast that says we won't be fine, but we'll be fine. Everything will be fine. 